This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. We can't wait for Lifeway Women's brand new event, Glory, with Jackie Hill Perry. Glory is a two-day event for women featuring teaching from Jackie Hill Perry and worship led by Jordan Welch. In a world of self-help and self-exploration, at Glory, you'll learn more about God than you do about yourself. Together, we'll explore the doctrine of God, gain a more exalted view of Him, and we will walk away with tools to continue studying Scripture on our own. We're so excited to see you there. Find a city near you at lifeway.com slash glory. Hello and welcome to the Mark Podcast. My name is Elizabeth Heinemann and I am here with my co-host Kelly King. Hey Kelly. Hey Elizabeth. How are you? I'm, I'm pretty good today. Yes. Good. Yeah. So we're really excited because today we get to talk to a new friend to us. That's right. Um, Jordan Welch. And Jordan is going to be a part of our glory events, which we will mm-hmm. talk about more in detail. But Jordan, how are you doing? Hi, I'm great. Really glad to be here with you all. We're so excited to have you. So a lot of times on our podcast, instead of me reading off of bio, we're going to just have you introduce yourself. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry. Sure. So uh, my name is Jordan. I am originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I joke with people and call it the city of champions, which it indeed is, um, (laughs) mostly because of football, but (laughs) football and hockey. But um, I am from Pittsburgh. I am Sheesh, uh, an anomaly of sorts. I have an engineering background, but I'm heavily involved in music. I did go to school for chemical engineering at Case Western Reserve University. Um, And I have been involved in ministry since, I feel like since before I was born, but um, (laughs) most certainly since the age of 13. I've been singing and playing the piano since I was five. I have a very musical family. Every single one of us, there are four kids and my two parents, and every single one of us sings and has some involvement in music. So uh, it's been interesting growing up, and it's even more interesting nowadays uh, with three of us uh, fully pursuing music of some sort, just being able to reflect on those childhood memories and being uh, built differently, I guess, when we look at our respective music careers and just how it's translated into some pretty incredible things, especially for my brothers. Um, but in a nutshell, I, I do a lot of stuff <laughs> that may not, you know, make sense when you put them all together, but mm-hmm. I get a thrill out of using both sides of my brain every day. So, Well, Jordan, okay, so I have to ask you this because my family, we're we're not really what you would consider a typical music family, but the families I know that are musical – they when they get together they like sing together and they Mm -hmm. enjoy doing do you all do that is that something that your family kind of does so uh funny enough we did not do that (laughs) growing up um we i do remember one time (laughs) i was probably five or six 
my mom taught us a song. <laughs> Lord. And <laughs> <laughs> my sister and I sang the song, my brother right next to me, because there are two boys and two girls. Uh, my brother right next to me, I think he sang with us. Um, and my mom sang, and the youngest one was too young to do anything, but I know eventually he picked up the drums and it like evolved over time. And that was like years ago. And then uh, the six of us got together and sang Great Is Your Mercy mm -hmm. by um, Donnie McClurkin. Mm -hmm. And so I remember very vividly <laughs> when we all got up to sing together, but it's always astounding. Like, oh yeah. man, we could do this. Like, yeah. it's, it's shocking because we don't do it together often, but we do joke about it a lot. Like there's we could if we really wanted to. Yeah, there's something about like siblings' voices that just I was connect, just thinking the same um, thing. It's like they, really you, cool they blend yeah. so well. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's pretty scary. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Well, you are going to be leading worship for our glory events with Jackie Hill Perry. And these these are new events for LifeWay. And I know with the pandemic and everything else, we've kind of pushed things back a lot. But our first one is in July that's coming up. So let's tell us a little bit, you know, maybe what women could expect by attending this event. Uh, one of the things that Jackie says is that it's a conference where you learn more about God and not yourself. Mm -hmm. And I wholeheartedly believe that mm -hmm. um, because one of the things that we tend to do, especially now, is we find a way to make things about us. Uh, and we we really deflect <laughs> things that really shouldn't be about us. We're not here without God. We we don't know anything about ourselves without him. So why wouldn't you get to know him best mm -hmm. to better understand where you are and who you are? So I definitely believe that we will be returned to the creator and our focus will be returned to him so that we can better reflect his image like we were called to be and called to do. And I think we will learn what it is to be more vulnerable in a space that excludes self-righteousness, in a space that excludes, you know, me, 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 me. We, we invest in ourselves, yes, by attending these events, but in all honesty, we are investing in, in what should be, and that's putting God first. We're investing in learning more about Him so that we make better sense of ourselves. Like I said, we literally are nothing without him. So I wouldn't dare try to start anywhere else but with him. I love that. Mm -hmm. I think I think these events are going to be so cool and different, and we're all excited about them. Um, but tell us how you and Jackie met and how your friendship developed. <laughs> so Jackie was a part of a tour called Poets in Autumn. And I think the first one I attended was 2013 or 14, maybe 15, one of those three years. <laughs> um, and I had gone every single year, never in Pittsburgh because they didn't come to Pittsburgh until years later. But um, I think I was, this was the third year that I was going and I was going to DC and I did an Instagram post where I'm like, oh, I'm excited to see these people. I'm a fan, annual fan. See y'all when we get there. And probably within the hour, um, Jackie responded. Uh, <laughs> was like, hey, do you want to do worship at the end of this? Oh, and I wow. was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I was like, yeah, definitely. And so um, 
when I had arrived, it was in DC. When I had arrived and did sound check, I see this person walking in and just sitting and I'm like, oh shoot, do we sound bad? I don't think we sound bad. Are we okay? <laughs> um, and she's just observing and listening. And um, when all was said and done, when everything was over, I got a chance to connect with her backstage. And we talked for like an hour and I felt bad because I came with friends and they're all in the lobby trying to figure out what's going <laughs> on. And I left them to um, talk to her for a minute and just connect with her. And literally since then, if not every year, <laughs> we've connected further when she added me to her album. I did two interludes on that. And then she started the Just Worship event, which happens in Atlanta every year. Um, and over time, it just kept building like hey I, I really want you to be a part of this and when she explained why I was like oh snap that's huge because you know she knows so many different people and a lot of different people have access to her and it's like me of all people <laughs> like, I'm, I'm pretty shocked but blessed and honored and humbled that this this came about because I had nothing to do with it but an Instagram post and the way God has endorsed and continued to develop the friendship is is beyond me. We laugh about it because of how it happened, but it truly was a God endorsed moment. That's awesome, because I think about, too, like, I don't know if a lot of people realize that Jackie Hill Perry's background is mm -hmm. in poetry and music and spoken mm -hmm. word. And so it wasn't like she just kind of saw you and thought oh, okay this you know this is somebody I want to pursue maybe but I'm sure that she really checked out probably she yeah. was probably back there googling some YouTube videos <laughs> and things like that and, and really seeing who you were and then just having that conversation so I really respect the fact that you know someone like a Jackie Hill Perry who she has a great respect for mm -hmm. for musicians and music. Mm -hmm. I think that says a lot about you and, and why she would even ask you to be part of that. And I do love your interludes on her album, mm. by the way. I, <laughs> Thank you. I feel like the first time we heard it, there was like two of us in our office that were listening to it. And we were like, who is this? This is so good. <laughs> so it's great that we're getting to meet this way. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do know that there's, I mean, there is a kind of this journey of worship and, and, you know, what music is, because I think sometimes we, we tend to lump that worship is just music, but worship is the whole thing. And, mm -hmm. and that music is just part of how we present our worship to the Lord. And so I'd love to know just kind of how you got here. Maybe was there someone who, you know, we talked a little bit about your family, but maybe someone who just saw that in you and championed that gift in you. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that you just said that I think is important for people to remember is that worship and music are not synonymous. They're definitely partners, but they're not synonymous. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was sheesh, probably in my early 20s, um, I had met a woman who just completely changed my life. Um, and it, again, it was all, at least to the human eye and the human mind by happenstance, but absolutely God ordained. Uh, she was in town at my church to lead a workshop that was happening. And um, I was asked to take her to dinner at the last minute. And I was like, uh, okay, sure, I'll, I'll do that. I'm not sure how this works. You know, there's the armor bear system that I don't understand, <laughs> but... Um, 
sure, I'll, I'll take care of this. And so I took her to dinner and she was asking me questions, you know, about what I do at the church and just stuff about me and music in general. And we started digging into a conversation about the word. And by the time the conversation was done, she said, you know, I really want you to study David. Mm. You know, at that point in my life, I was dealing with rejection, not really sure of how I fit into any situation or scenario, confused out of my mind. But I knew that I had something to do with music. I knew I had something to do with worship, you know, so be it. And so she said, I really want you to study um, David. And I went home that night and mind blown <laughs> every single morning until I had finished um, as much as I could, right? 5 a.m. I'm reading every single chapter <laughs> in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, 1 Kings and 2 Kings, right? I'm going through and finding every passage I could about David. And I am digging in so much. I never knew that you could have that kind of appetite for God's word. Mind you, I'm a PK. So I've been in church my whole life, but I never knew what it meant to have a, like an actual desire and appetite for God's word until this time. And after I had gone through that study, it had made the book of Psalms so much more real to me. You know, that's our go-to, that's our default for uh, worship and praise. And, you know, by all means, just, just, if you need to learn more about worship, go there. But it was like, no, there's a whole character and characteristic in writing these songs because of how David lived his life through these different seasons. And it really, really locked into me that worship and music are not the same. And my worship was not strengthened because my music got stronger. That's not how this works. It was because I finally understood that there is an acknowledgement in worship that God is bigger and God is greater. And my vulnerability to him is not one that would weaken me, but strengthen his power in me and strengthen his presence and my awareness of his presence so that I can finally be in what I call a continuous dialogue of surrender. And that's where worship is a lifestyle and not just a particular song with a particular beat and, you know, tears flowing and snot flying. <laughs> it's really, it really is about your life and your ability to really acknowledge God as the greater and greatest one so that your life is constantly subjected and under his authority and his bigness, for lack of a better word. I feel like we need to just like rewind that right there. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like okay, just, just like, drop amen. the mic. Yeah, yeah, drop the mic. That's it. Jordan's got it. That yes. So good. And we actually were just talking about um, in a podcast that we recorded before this, which I think actually comes out months ahead. But anyway, um, we were talking about the Psalms and how that is yes. like there's Psalms for every season and how they really do teach you how to worship in the mm -hmm. midst of. And, and I do think that's so great what you said about learning about the life of this songwriter who wrote the songs, because yep. I even think about our modern, well, I say modern, but even like our, yeah, some of our modern songs, but even like our older hymns, when you know mm -hmm. the stories behind, and I always think of like yes. Horatio Spafford with It Is Well With My Soul. Mm -hmm. like yes. When you learn the conditions in which he wrote that song, yep. um, it just makes you 
just love it so much more and and think through like oh my goodness even in the midst of losing his entire family he could still sing it is well with my soul Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's similar for David like after we know his story and know like he's literally running for his life here Mm -hmm. but he's stopping and saying this and and it honestly makes it make a lot more sense because some of them you're just like what in the world? I was yeah. I, don't, I, don't relate, like, I don't relate to this, or maybe this, I was recently yeah. listening to some of the psalms on. Um, I have a, the Dwell Bible app, and so I was listening <laughs> to psalms at night because I was like, "Oh, this will be beautiful as I go to sleep." Uh, and it was like for some reason, revenge. Yes, all the psalms that were playing at first were like, "And please make the dogs yes. eat my enemies and tear them from their flesh." And you're just like, "What in the world am I going to bed to?" <laughs> Okay, so Jordan, next, you know, when you come to Nashville at some point, um, I think Elizabeth and I or somebody needs to take you to a place here called the Listening Room because it is like they do shows, but it is the songwriters. It's not the artists Mm -hmm. themselves, Mm -hmm. even though a lot of them are artists. But it is what you were saying. Like Mm -hmm. when you hear just the process of writing songs and the heart behind it, it changes completely how you worship, doesn't it? Like when you you know that. Absolutely. Yeah. But even like, again, just bringing it full circle to a life outside of music, looking at Abraham when he was going to sacrifice Isaac, he says, the boy and I will worship, which means like there was no song. (laughs) We don't know of any song sung or anything that was done that we would correlate it to music, but it was just this idea of worship being some kind of sacrifice, worship being in obedience to an instruction and how that, that goes to show you that, Okay, once you get saved, obedience doesn't stop. It actually starts. And when you consider that, and you consider Abraham's act of worship, it's like, okay, there's an instruction. My obedience to that instruction from the Lord is an act of worship. And I can write a song about my obedience to the Lord, but it starts with my obedience. It starts with acknowledging again that he's the greatest one. And if a song comes out of that, praise the Lord. Because, you know, we remember songs a lot easier than we remember some other things, right? Hello, Alphabet, and any other, you know, commercial jingles. But it just, it goes to show that there are different people in the Bible whose worship was separate from a song, but was indeed a part of true worship. And when we break, you know, pride away from it and all these things that hinder us from being able to be open and honest, the true worship that God is seeking now, then we can honestly, you know, grasp the concept of a life surrendered, a life dedicated to worship, not just on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, my everyday life being worship. Yeah, I can't help but think of Romans 12. Um, Yes, exactly. Where it just says, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Mm -hmm. That's so what you're saying there. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love that. I feel like I just want to be like, Thank you. Let's yeah. just pray okay, and close it. There's a little bit more. But we do want to continue to get to know you. So tell us, we'll pivot a little bit. So mm-hmm. you have a degree in chemical engineering, which yep. seems like, you know, far away from singing. Um, so tell us about that. Like, what made you choose chemical engineering? What do you do with that? Um, and just tell us a little bit more. I am going to confess to you that I know absolutely nothing about chemical engineering. Um, so just kind of tell That's us about degree. it. Yeah, I, didn't say I, that. I would not <sighs> be good at it. <laughs> so, um, sheesh. 
I chose chemical engineering, number one, because my dad majored in chemical engineering. So okay. talk about a, a spectrum jump because he became a pastor, too. <laughs> um, I do not. <laughs> I'm not asking for that to be my story. However, um, my dad got his degree in chemical engineering. And so when I was trying to find something in the math and science world, I was like, OK, that makes sense. Um because at first it was going to be architecture and I found out that that's more art than math and I said never mind (laughs) (laughs) so it's just not my calling at all so um I did did go to school for chemical engineering with a kind of a minor focus on statistics and since then I have (laughs) done everything else (laughs) Uh, I did do all of my summer internships at Procter & Gamble. So that's where I got to see the field, especially in products research and development. I got to see, you know, that kind of world, but then said, you know, I really don't want to be stuck in somebody's lab or oil rig for the rest of my life. Let me see what else is out there. And I uh, ended up going into information technology, um, the consulting end. And that has given me an opportunity to basically use the byproducts of engineering. And no matter what discipline you're in, you are trained to um, do well at critical thinking, at process definition. And so uh, nowadays in my project management world, I see different ways to basically use my engineering brain to get us from one point to the next as we are considering a lot of the major projects that we do in the IT world. So. Um, the best way to define chemical engineering is just finding ways to um, do a process as cheaply and efficiently as possible. Uh, cheaply in quotation marks because some things you really can't take down to its lowest level, but finding ways to basically mass produce in the most efficient way. That's really cool. And I love yeah. hearing how <laughs> God uses like anything, you know, and, and I feel like a lot of times people think, well, you know, I'm good at math or I'm good at this or whatever. And they would never think like, I'm good at math. So how can I use that for God's glory? And it Mm -hmm. really sounds Mm -hmm. like you are doing that in your degree as well as in your like hobbies, (laughs) quote unquote. Like I know you also like make money doing that. But like, you know, it's it's really cool how God can use minds of all different kinds um, because I, you would never want me to do any sort of like critical math at all because um, I have a real hard time with it um, but and I'm also not musical so maybe it is that like side of my brain is just not really functioning um, but I'm okay I'll live on the right side of my brain and just be like That's right. creative but yes I um I am so thankful for people like you who are talented in that area because and using it for God's glory because um, if we were relying on me to do that, we would never get anything. <laughs> processes, there would be no processes. So. This is what I've gathered about Jordan, is that Jordan is very smart. Yes. Like, I, like that's <laughs> what I am like, she can do a lot of different things, and she does them all. It seems like she's doing them all very well. Yes. Like, and she's probably being very humble about some of this, too. <laughs> Absolutely. So not, I am okay, trying. So, you know. Not only are you, you know, great musician, you write songs, and you've done a lot of different things. You've also done some things with film projects. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Uh, so five years ago, I had started a nonprofit back in Pittsburgh for youth, ages five to eighteen, called Yahweh Rise, and we, the main purpose was to build up 
godly character and leadership disciplines in youth through, you know, ministry topics, but also the fine arts. There is, and actually are many studies that um, show the importance of artistic involvement or getting involved in the arts to not just build confidence, but to build well-roundedness, right? Um, yes, it can happen in sports as well, but there was a particular study that um, called out the arts and how getting involved in the arts would help shape some of the, the successes in other areas, non-artistic areas. And so um, we specifically merged those two areas together. And at the end of every year, we would do a production of some sort, some kind of musical play, because I really can't stand recitals. <laughs> it just <laughs> drives me nuts. And now, dance. <laughs> um, so instead of doing that, we would take the different disciplines, different art disciplines, and weave them into a storyline so that it was rather a production instead of a recital. And by year four, <laughs> I was like, okay, we've done three of these already. Um, something seems to not be sticking right now. I don't know why, but I don't think we're supposed to do a pr production this year. And I was in Germany for work and it just, it's April. <laughs> Our program runs from January to December or January to like October, November. It's April. And typically by January, the play is already set. Everybody knows what they're doing. We only meet quarterly, right? It's not a, a weekend thing. It's only quarterly. It's April. I'm in Germany, have no idea what's going on, but I get this crazy idea to do a film. I'm like, we got five months <laughs> to turn something into a film. Like people spend years developing this kind of stuff and, you know, all of it. But like, I really don't see this happening any other way. We need to try this. So um, we took the story of the prodigal son because the theme of the year was um, counterculture, but through the lens of the gospel. Because in nature, the gospel was very counterculture to the day and the time of, you know, the culture at, at that time. And so um, I told my staff, <laughs> I told my friends, hey, we need to turn this into a film. So we took the story of the prodigal son and <laughs> we had basically <laughs> came up with the idea of, OK, we know the story. The prodigal son does the unthinkable, basically unforgivable, leaves his home, decides to come back, and, you know, there's this grand party. I'm very much paraphrasing, but we decided to to flip it where, you know, the father, the prodigal son, and the older brother are on a talk show, and they are basically telling their sides of the story. And as we're listening to their testimony, it gave us a way to teach the students about the gospel, how this story is an example of the gospel and how um, how if we really had a chance to hear them speak and ask the right questions, what else could we extract from this text? And so, um, yes, we still had dance. Yes, we still had our singers. Yes, we still had our actors and such. And it just became, by the grace of God, a completed video or completed movie, a feature film at that and it's about an hour, hour, maybe an hour and 10. Wow. We got it done in a matter of six weeks from April to August. There was a lot of planning, a lot of praying, a lot of processing. But then September through November, we worked as hard as we possibly could. Still not every weekend, very select weekends, turned it into an entire film and soundtrack. And by the grace of God, it was completed in um 
premiered January 2020 before the pandemic. So talk about timely. (laughs) (laughs) So is it something that people can find or watch? Eventually, yes. (laughs) It's one of those like, oh, this is like once you release it, you kind of can't take it back. And so, yes, admittedly, I am holding on to this thing out of nervousness and fear. But ultimately, yes, it will be available for everyone to see. That'll be really cool. Mm -hmm. What is it called? It's called Runaway Come Home. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love that title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, we can just have everybody be on the lookout That's for that right. um, because I think that sounds like a really cool project and definitely something that they can see um, just all kinds of like just you describing how you still use dancers and singers. Mm-hmm. Like I am just like, oh, this sounds like this would be really fun to watch and yep. really cool to see um, all that talent. I'm sure. And it's kids, right? Yeah. We, <laughs> I am not a fan of babying children, though it makes sense because mm-hmm. they're children. They are a lot smarter and wiser than we give them credit. And I think in the proper environments, you can really see that demonstrated. And so with everything that we've done in the productions and the film and the teachings, we really wanted to give them an opportunity to show that, hey, though I may be 12, I actually have something worth saying and God gave it to me to express now. I don't have to wait until I'm 30, 40, 50, but I can actually express it now. And that was important even in this. Yes, it's kids that are doing a film, but if you pay attention to what they're saying and how they're even demonstrating their gifts, you see that they have more to offer at this present time Mm -hmm. before they become adults. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm a big fan of not, uh, talking down to kids rather talk up and let them meet you where they absolutely they can. yep um okay well we have now reached the end of our podcast but we have one last question that we ask mm-hmm. everybody so what is one thing that has marked you in your walk with christ hmm. Uh, hmm. i would say um uh, this is going to sound strange, a house fire that happened back in 2003. Oh. Um, as I mentioned, I grew up in church. Um, it's, always, it's always been a part of my life. Um, but my faith and my relationship with God was always lived vicariously through my parents. Mm. And when our house caught on fire, it was Christmas Eve 2003. That was also the same week that my dad was to be ordained as a pastor, ordained and installed as a pastor. And um, there was... A time when (laughs) in the midst of all of that he was still able to be installed they had the family up at the altar and throughout that week I mean I had seen some amazing acts of kindness but there was one that was extremely unprompted where people laid all kinds of gifts at our feet Mm -hmm. and I was so stunned the only thing I could ask was God is that you Mm -hmm. and from that moment on I, I recognized, especially when I was getting ready to choose a college to attend, I recognized that, okay, you have something to say to me, not just through my parents, but to me. Mm-hmm. And when I started to take ownership of my own relationship with him, and when I recognized that he wanted something from me specifically, that's when I would say that I was marked and that I was officially, I was in this thing to say, you know what? Thank you for my parents. Yes, they can still speak words of encouragement. They, their faith is an inspiration to me, but it cannot be done for me. And I've just been on that journey since to make sure that be it friends, be it pastors, you know, anyone that I come in connection with, 
that I don't rely on them to sustain my relationship with God. It really has to be a me and him thing. They can confirm it. They can encourage it, but they can't do it for me. And that's just been a motto and mantra that I've been on ever since. I love that. Yeah. That is a beautiful picture of God's provision, yeah. but also just, yeah, he does use um, all kinds of circumstances to mm-hmm. reach us. Yeah. So thank, thank you. you for sharing. Yeah. That. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jordan, I'm going to end too by just asking you, how can we pray for you? And as we kind of prepare for the glory events, what are some things that we could be praying? Um, honestly, that this platform is used well. You know, it's it's really it's really something when you are put in front of people to lead them in worship. Um, it's it's more than just singing. There is a heavy responsibility that comes with it. And even, you know, with Jackie, as she delivers the word there, there really is a, a heavy burden to be authentic and to be available and vulnerable in the right way. Um, to God so that he can lead through me. And that's just one thing that I want to be responsible with. I want to be responsible with the platform. I want to be responsible with his daughters. I want to be responsible with what he's charged me to do so that we can, you know, be pointing back to him and always demonstrating him from beginning to end. Yeah, well, that's definitely some things that we'll be praying for us. And uh, we just want to encourage our listeners to to check out the Glory events and mm-hmm. uh, find a city that's near you and take some friends. And and I think you're going to be blessed by, you know, Jackie's word, but also Jordan as she is doing the music and and leading us to the throne of God. So yes. thank you, Jordan. And um, we're just excited and really grateful for the time that you've given us today. I know. Thank you for having me. This was fun. All right. Well, listeners, thanks so much for joining us this week, and we hope that you'll join us next. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. You can also find LifeWay Women on all social media channels at LifeWay Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifeWayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.